Adele Pilot's Plain Tales, The 49ers, Part 3. We continue our interview with Captain Nigel Demery, past president of the Hong Kong Aircrew Officers Association. The 49ers have been illegally fired from Cathay Pacific. We resume the final part of this interview to find out what became of them. What were the EFALPA policies uh, that helped you out when you were taking industrial action? The uh, EFALPA Industrial Committee has got a load of protocols. Um, For example, if, uh, let's say, um, uh, Virgin Atlantic goes on strike, well, the last thing you want is uh, all the British Airways pilots taking all of the Virgin Atlantic customers, otherwise the strike's going to be broken for no money. So um, you have these written down procedures and protocols. And if you're the uh, union taking action, you request your FALPA to institute which one of these protocols you want. One of them that we used was the recruitment ban because obviously we'd had 50 guys fired and um, we didn't want 50 new um, pilots walking through the door because obviously Cathay just wanted to replace them and move on. So Ifalpa put the recruitment ban in uh, place for us. And uh, I have to say, you know, when you're trying to get into your dream airline, when you're trying to further your career, uh, it's very tempting to go to this airline um, when there are new jobs going. So I take my hats off to the many, many young guys who uh, uh, observed the Ifalpa recruitment ban and um, decided to wait before they went to Cathay or found another job. What happened to the 49ers? Uh, it's dire, Nick. It's dire. Um, it's a long time ago, and we haven't got time to go into all the detail. We've got a, a website, the CathayPilotsUnion.org, all one word, and there are a couple of newsletters on there that explain it all. But you know, we had guys and their families, two families, physically evicted onto the streets with Cathay Management kicking them out. One of them had already negotiated with his landlord to stay on, but no, they insisted that it was uh, terminated. They they made misrepresentation to the tax office about everyone's, these 50 guys are all leaving um, and they've all got to pay full tax. And these blokes were sent tax demands, like you couldn't get out of Hong Kong, you, couldn't, you know, you couldn't leave Hong Kong and go somewhere cheaper, like back home in England, for example, um, until you'd paid your tax bill. And they, these guys were given huge tax bills that were complete fabrication, worst case. Um, people were given tax bills, oh, I hear you're leaving Hong Kong. No, actually, I'm staying. You know, my family's here. I'm, I'm, no, well, you've still got to pay this tax bill because Cathy says you've got to go. Um, they they wouldn't pay them the uh, benefits that they were entitled to, or like shipping uh, all your furniture back home. Like they, you you got to pay for your complete relocation back to England. I know we normally pay for it, but bad like you're a forty nine er. If you had a they Cathay had a credit card um, scheme going with one of the banks. I can't remember which one. And uh, the Blakes went to <laughs> a bit short of cash get something on credit card no the credit card's been terminated you know so there were a whole host of subsidiary intimidation and actually bloody rude uh, un, un, yeah very vindictive uh, not it was nasty it was evil it was evil so they didn't just fire them give them three months now they held on to the three months pay you know because oh, you might have to pay tax bills and all that sort of thing so the guys were 
they were right at the beginning. They were in a really, really bad state. It was hard. It, it wasn't just, oh, you've lost your job. As you know, in the airlines, you don't. You could be a senior training captain today, but you leave the airline today and go to another one. You start off at the bottom of the rank of seniority, and you're a first officer again. So, huge, huge problems for guys. Huge problems. Well, these guys just able to go and get other jobs with other airlines. Ah, funny old thing. There was a blacklist. Nobody ever admitted it, but you know we had guys going to Emirates. They go another expat airline qualified on triple seven should be able to walk into a job get through the interviews at all and guys they if it was known throughout the industry that because tony tyler and philip chen said it at the press conference on the 9th of july that anyone who stopped working for kathy on the 9th of july is a troublemaker so there was um, a blacklist of amongst i mean if you're running an airline would you hire one of the guys that kathy kicked out as a troublemaker of course you wouldn't you take the bloke that's behind him in the queue so the blokes found it incredibly hard to get jobs again um, certainly not in good reputable airlines people flew some shady freight jobs you know the Hajj and things like that but no they they were blacklisted and Cathay was really good the director of flight ops Ken Barley as he was then um, he said oh we'll write a letter saying that you were fired for no valid reason you can give it to the next manager that's uh, who's recruiting you and when we got to the court of final appeal in Hong Kong uh, I can't remember which of the five judges it was he said, well, that's just a lie, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. How was the situation eventually resolved? Well, time. You know, we went into uh, hold hold the ground mode. Like, we didn't want to escalate. We didn't want to retreat. If you retreat, the 49ers were lost. So we just held the ground. It was a bit of a problem because the 9th of July was uh, 10 weeks before 9-11. And I think all of your listeners will know how that affected the industry. And, of course, our little... Uh, well, it was a big, important thing to us, uh, the 49ers in Hong Kong, but in the macro world, uh, our little dust-up with Cathay Pacific Management paled into insignificance. So we basically went into uh, uh, two or three years of guerrilla tactics. Um, then, I don't know whether you're... Uh, listeners will know, but uh, then SARS came along in 2003. That was one of the flus, the pandemic type things. Um, so Hong Kong shut down. I mean, they shipped people. They they isolated whole housing estates, um, and you know, passed food through the door like you see in the movies, sort of thing. Um, so SARS came in. That was huge effect on. Uh, Hong Kong and on, obviously on Cathay and it's nobody was flying to Hong Kong you wouldn't go there so they now needed uh, the airline now actually did need to survive and the only way you can really survive is if your employees help you so they came to us and said look we need some help in SARS and at last after two years of holding on we were able to negotiate with them because you know you want something, we want something. And so at last we were able to start talking with them again after two years. At that point I felt, I well, I was pretty knackered by then. And so I handed over to somebody whom I thought I could trust to succeed me. Mistake. Um, and that someone was completely outmaneuvered by very wily and uh, sharp Cathay management. And basically he came to a deal that, 
49ers didn't want didn't put it to uh, the membership per se and um uh, the net result was, uh, in the end, uh, they came up with a well. Well, if you we can pay you some money and go on your way, um, you can get re. Uh, we'll put you through an interview process for a job, um, but the main thing is that uh, all uh, legal uh, assistance from the AOA will cease at that point. So if the AOA agrees to this they have to stop funding the legals. So the le- th- th- you were conducting quite a large series of legal actions against the company on behalf of the 49ers? Yeah, of course. We were after basically unfair uh, dismissal in four jurisdictions, Australia, um, America, UK and Hong Kong. And everyone knows that the law, uh, the wheels of law move remarkably slowly. And but very we were expensively. now progressively. Yeah, very expensively. So without uh, the AOA funding, I, the rest of the union funding the legal cases to protect the contract, um, it was going to die dead in the water. And eventually, I'm afraid, that's what happened. Um, 19 guys chose to accept neither of those deals and pursued the legals. Um, and uh, but they needed money, so at that point, because I was completely against this abandonment of the 49ers, I was one of seven founder members of a new union that's all you need to found a union in Hong Kong. Uh, we started the Cathay Pilots Union on the 1st of May 2005, and through that membership, we funded the UK and uh, Hong Kong. Now, I know the that was a long battle, but it culminated in a in a real victory. Can you describe that to us? Well, first of all, we won in the UK, and John Warham and I went, it's great, we went to the House of Lords, it's now called the Supreme Court, but we went to this fantastic building, and went into the House of Lords, and it was fantastic, and we won that. And there was only one plaintiff left at this stage in the UK, Captain George Crofts, um, and uh, he won, and basically uh, he set profound employment law, which has had spin-offs later on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we won in the UK, and it took 11 years, but eventually we won in the Court of Final Appeal in Hong Kong, um, and that was very pleasurable. And basically, Cathay had broken the law, just as simple as that. They had broken the law. Uh, union objectives say everything has to be lawful, which is sort of quite reasonable, really. You can't get around with baseball bats in this day and age. So we'd stuck to the law, but Cathay broke the law. And that was the bit that was wrong. And that's where they actually got the advantage, because we had to rely on the legal system then to dig us out of it. And we won in the end. But that case set a precedent in uh, employment law that affects almost every pilot now, whoever works on a basing, yes? The, the, the UK decision, which was then, it didn't affect the Hong Kong case so much, but the UK decision uh, basically affects all peripatetic employees. In other words, people who are on the move. And in this day and age of globalisation, loads, hundreds, thousands, millions of people are probably on the move. Pilots, obviously, are, are clear. And uh, what it's basically the UK law is adopted by many countries, the common law system precedent. And once that precedent's been set, unless a later ruling that has other ramifications overturns it, it sticks. So actually only about two months ago, 
Um, some buddies of mine won a case down in New Zealand based on George Cross' win 11 years earlier in um, in England. And um, the Cathay was trying to kick him out at the age of 55. And uh, the New Zealand Supreme Court has just ruled, no, you can't do that because they're based in New Zealand. And in New Zealand, you're not allowed to fire somebody under over the age of 55 or any age. There's age discrimination, which we don't have in Hong Kong, incidentally. But no, so those guys get another 10 years' work because Cathay Pilots Union funded the 49ers through to win in England. That really was a magnificent victory. I know it didn't really do much for the 49ers uh, looking back on it, but uh, to have that kind of a victory in law that will protect other pilots in the future, I think, is a great legacy. Yeah, it's great, actually. I'm very proud of that. So how do you feel looking back on that period? Um, well, I'm, uh, I have to say that you know, time's a great opportunity to reconsider the decisions and actions you took at the time. There were losses on both sides, un- unnecessary losses, because it was actually about control. And actually, pilots are pretty reasonable. You know, we wanted a reasonable roster. We wanted reasonable contractual and stick to the contract. We don't want it changing every day. Uh, but, uh, I, I mean, three people died. Two of the 49ers died. One of one of. Uh, them, his wife committed suicide in the garage, hung herself in the garage. There was huge, huge, huge stress. 51 careers were lost. Even 12 of the 19 guys that went back to work for Cathay, they they never got the same contractual terms again. They were started on the freight, you know, huge career losses, never got the same seniority. Um, there serious health issues, you know, people with uh, in fact, George Cross, he had triple bypass surgery. You know, a lot of stress going on. Um, from, on the other side of the coin, you know, Cathay lost at least half a year's profits. That amount of money for the uh, dispute. Um, uh, you know, huge disruption to uh, thousands of, uh, of our passengers. Um, and course you know they've looked back on the system as well and all their all of Cathay's generals at the time were moved out or sideways because it wasn't a success for Cathay Pacific Airways it was supposed to be a quick done and dirty bus strike put the pilots on our contracts we'll control them in future and it went on for the longest uh, industrial dispute in aviation history. Wow any advice for the current pilots out there in Hong Kong? Um, well, yeah, because it's happening again. Um, it's a continual cycle. The trouble is airlines need pilots, look at Ryanair, but managers don't always know how to run an airline, look at perhaps Monarch. Um, and you get this cycle of managers coming through who have only done on-the-job training. They haven't been trained. Pilots are trained before they're allowed to sit in a seat and fly passengers around. Managers come along, they get through the job interview, and then they learn, basically, by their mistakes. And it's a simple fact, if you're running a business, that profit equals revenue minus costs. It's that simple. And the demand is always more profit, more profit. So if you're not increasing the revenue, you've got to cut the costs. And so they just... What are our cost items? Star for a cost item. Can't you? You can't out 
banter the price of oil. Oil is a fixed price on a daily basis sort of thing. So we'll go for the cutting the costs of the staff. And so it's happening again now. Uh, already um, they're introducing new contracts. They've just cancelled the housing benefit. Uh, they're changing the scheduling again. And it's right now it's all a repeat of what was going on in uh, 98 and, and 2001. Uh, one difference, I think, is that we have um, proved that if the Cathay pilots wish to take industrial action again, they are protected by law. If management were stupid enough to try and recreate a, a sequel, you know, 49ers 2 sort of thing, um, they would be serving an injunction because the law has been tested completely that they, that's illegal. But the pilots need to stick together and learn from what went on before because if you're after a career, it's going to happen once or twice at least in your career. That's brilliant. Thank you very much. Where might we find more details about the industrial action and the story? Yeah, cathaypilotsunion.org. There's a little news section on the side and there are two newsletters there that summarise everything that I've said, or in more detail, actually. My thanks again to Nigel for telling this amazing story. And for more information, a book I can recommend is The 49ers, The True Story by John Warren who was one of the 49ers and the chief negotiator for the Cathay Pilots Union. Music by bensounds.com